running a game in an hour, but I have nothing planned. Eh. I'm running a game in an hour, and I only have five maps, six NPCs, and 12 side quests planned. Hey! I'm your host, Sarah, and... I'm your other host, Morgan. We're two sisters. By marriage. Who love to talk about stories. From writing fiction and creating elaborate plot lines in D&D. To doing the bare minimum or the absolute most in prep. We're out, out of, of initiative. initiative. What should we be prepping then, right? That's, yeah. I think that's the big question that we teased at the beginning of this. I'll say <laughs> encounter maps, right? Mm-hmm. I will put this one in both right and and wing uh and we can get into that when we talk about winging it but what what i write what i make sure i have prepped an encounter map um the key beats for the upcoming session or sessions like don't force anybody to go through anything in a certain amount of time you just like give yourself some room um custom magic items don't make them on the spot don't make them on the, don't make custom magic items on the spot hey this is the little voice in the back of your mind don't make custom magic items on the spot it bites me in the butt every single time um any important npcs and the info they're willing to share uh and like generators um and i actually have a dm screen here because i think that playing digital i i think we forget about this resource that um most people are using and um this is the i'm looking at the dm screen yeah yeah it's a strong one this is uh ghost of salt marsh um and it has like random tables for ships that you might encounter um random tables for hazards you might encounter and it also has a lot of like the rule like simple rules so yeah tables and some of the rules that you might need reinforced um having those at your fingertips critically useful this one has a lot of um barovian names like just a list of names from barovia um and the barovian calendar if you that's nice yeah um and then it had uh the normal stuff like the conditions and but then it also has <laughs> yeah i know uh it also had like um daytime encounters for brovia and nighttime encounters for brovia it's amazing it's amazing so it's a, a great resource yeah. that when you're yeah. playing digitally i don't like we often forget that that exists mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so what are you prepping every single time what are you not uh, leaving up to chance? I always maps. Um, and I don't, sp- I mean, I have gone back and forth. I've used some incarnate. Um, and then a lot I've just pulled from either Patreons or um, like free open source stuff on Reddit. Um, I always have probably three to four encounter maps um, at the ready. Um, either that are specifically to quests or just kind of general um, forest encounter, you know, random encounter stuff. Um, So I always have those and I um, do a lot of for like what I think they're going to go next. The party's going to go next, who they're going to meet. I, uh, this new encounter we're on our way to the wizard of the wines is pretty intense and it is, Lots of YouTube videos about DMs talking about it's one of the hardest encounters to run um, for various reasons. Um, one, there is a lot of monsters 
that you have to run horde style. And a lot of DMs are not prepared for that. Um, Second, there is a lot of NPCs that have to tell a lot of information that don't want to tell a lot of information. And and if you're familiar with the Wizard of the Wines, it's set at a vineyard. And um, this is the family's like main source of income and everything. And so they really don't want you to light it on fire as much as you want to light it on fire. Um, So anyways, it's hard. (laughs) So if your party happens to do that, what happens? And um, that kind of thing. It's, it is, it is one of the hardest encounters. So I've spent probably three or four hours um, just getting notes compiled for this. Um, I don't anticipate further ones to be quite this hard, but I definitely, I have maps ready. Um, and then notes like NPCs, like you said, NPCs, like these are the three things they have to say. Um, and then I do have like magic items, um, just a list. And that is something that, so I have like the map and I have the NPCs and what's supposed to happen, the goal. But then, um, I have learned to not put, specifically where the magic items are on the map because I can guarantee none of you will look there. So they they will be located where you are looking um, or not, not able to That's a very important tip. Yeah. Because, and I just have a list and I'll be like, Oh, this is a good one to have here. Like this would be relevant to have in this place, what, you know, armor, even, even not necessarily magic items, just items. Um, I just have a list and, oh, you're going to spend some time looking in there. Oh yeah, here you go. Like here's some boots or something. Um, and I just kind of have a list of that, of Barovia setting, like what you would find there. Um, one of our players most recently complained about not having any type of alcohol besides wine. And that is, that is canon. That is true. Um, there is only (laughs) three types of wine now down to two types of wine. That's it. Like that's all Barovians get. Um, anything that's not that's liquor is smuggled in somehow. Um, it, it's not, it's not and the best. And you got a flask in the same episode, in the yes. same session. <laughs> Wasn't it off a fellow party member? It was off of the, yeah, the corpse of a fallen companion, which yeah. is very strong. <laughs> yeah, it's very strong. It was, it was brilliant. Um, he deserved it. It was great. Um, so yeah, the, I, I do the magic items or items. I just have a running tally list. Do you use like Google Docs or do you use Roll20? How do you keep I use, organized? Yeah, I use Google Docs for everything because it's convenient. I can do it on my phone. I often find that I'll have an idea for a session mm-hmm. or an idea mm-hmm. for a plot hook. Uh, not while I'm sitting at my desk. Um, So I'll throw that into Google Docs. And I tend to do like session plan for the 10 24 session um and i'll start the doc and then you almost never the group almost never gets through everything that i have prepped whether it's extensive or like just a handful of story beats it'll be that one doc for several weeks in a row and then i'll keep taking notes keep taking notes and then i'll start a new doc um it's very chaotic uh and would be basically impossible to assemble anything into anything useful but for our purposes which are just home games you know not actual plays that are streamed anywhere i think it works great works for me so with strad are you prepping Mm -hmm. well two questions are you Mm -hmm. prepping at that same ratio i want to know how many hours you're spending prepping for one hour gameplay and where are you keeping your notes 
Uh, so I, I will say I said Wizard of the Wines. I've probably six, seven hours into prepping this, uh, and I'm not quite done because, oh yeah, um, because of various things. Again, we discussed that this is a very hard encounter, and there are techniques to make it easier for both the DM and the players. Um, not just easier, but more fun. So I am spending a little bit more time on that. A lot kind of hinges on this encounter. And so I kind of want it to be peak. But I know after this, there's another encounter that I already have a map and it's done. Like it's done. Like I don't have to do yeah. anything with it. So I, I think averaging, I would say it's an hour to an hour. An hour of prep to hour of gameplay. I I enjoy it like you said you enjoy it. So it's fun to me. It's kind of relaxing. I can do it after work or um, making maps. I love making maps. I love incarnate. Uh, just playing around or we've discussed Dungeon Alchemist is really fun. New features love all the Dungeon time. And I, I have kind of just messed around with it. Speaking of which, Dungeon Alchemist has a lot of community um, submitted maps now. I'm so um, excited for the yeah. direction they're going. <laughs> yeah. And so you can go in and look and see all these maps community people have. And it's just wild. And they're so amazing. Uh, and they're getting some Curse of Strahd ones in there. So I'm liking that. Um, That's amazing. So as far as my notes, I have a Google Doc, but it is like this block for this encounter and then this and then this. I mean, it's it's maybe two pages. And it's all of Strahd. Like, it's all I have, the overarching plan. And then on roll 20, I do the handouts, but I don't show them to you guys. And I will do, like, intro, and then this happens, and then, like, and I'll have each one um, will be specific. So, like, with the Abbey, I'll be, like, intro, Abbott, and then, like, what he says, and just kind of give an intro to everything. And then further down, as you guys explored his house or the Abbey, what you would find and where um, they're pretty in, in depth and I don't use most of it, but I just have it there. So like if I need to refer to it, it's there. Yeah. How do you feel about scripted dialogue? Do you feel like that is typically useful or do you feel like sometimes it misses? I, I, I find that I can't anymore. Scripted yeah, dialogue. Yeah. And uh, Curse of Strahd has quite a bit. Of yeah. scripted dialogue and some of the the words I, it's like I wouldn't say that and it's not natural right. um there are times that I read and like this is really corny and this is <laughs> really campy well, Strong has some pretty problematic language too also, and yes, that yes. requires a little bit of editing by the by the dm if it makes you more comfortable yeah yeah and I I have as far as scripted dialogue goes, I haven't. When you went to Kretzka and you talked to the Burgermaster, there was some of his there. But as far as the Abbot was, I that was all me. That was all um, because I wanted him to be different um, mm -hmm. and have different motivation. And in Curse of Strahd, he doesn't have very clear motivation. Um, he's a deva. He's a fallen angel. He worships the Morning Lord. And he's just taken over this abbey for his creations. And I wanted to give him 
more um, drive and purpose, potentially making him a connection with the party if they ever want to message or refer back to information. I kind of wanted him to be more a willing participant in them escaping um, just because I liked him and I liked who he was. And I think he's super creepy and it's amazing. Um, so I, I feel like in Barovia, you don't, a lot of the NPCs are just so hostile and mm-hmm. so um, against outsiders. I wanted them to have some sort of contact with an NPC that I'm not saying he's good, but is someone they could contact that has a lot of knowledge, has been there a long time, just for a point of resource. Um, but yeah, the scripted dialogues, it's tough. I, I like that it's there because then you know a little bit more of their mannerisms or what they would reveal or what they wouldn't. And I think it's a great guide, but me personally, I rarely read it verbatim. I, I always modify it to make it fit me or to fit our story a little bit better. Um, I do, however, really like the descriptions of yes. the settings. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those save That's me every time. The crackling twigs or the falling leaves or the cold chill wind in the air. Like I love reading those or describing yeah. rooms. Those yeah. save me all the time. 10 foot high ceilings held up by held aloft by cement pillars. And like, I'll read those just because I'm, and as a writer, I'm terrible at that too. Like I hate writing descriptions. Those are hard to come up with in the moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was like my biggest takeaway from modules is I'll write my like story beats. And then often if you guys are going to a new area, what does it smell like? What does it look like? What do we hear? What's mm-hmm. the air temperature? Like, like mm-hmm. what does it feel like? And do those little blocks that they have in the modules, that little popped out um, bit that you're supposed to read uh, oh, big stretch. Um, we, I like to draft that for myself. And that was one of my biggest takeaways from the module was like, you should include a setting description because otherwise I'll forget it. I have to put that in like big notes. I tape it everywhere. Like, what does it look like? What's going on? Do they smell bad? Like what's going, like, what's the deal? Yeah. How, um, how far in advance do you typically prep? You said you had some like backup maps, that kind of thing. I mean, when we were in the thick of it with our previous campaign and like cooking along and, and hitting water deep, stuff and the castle Lanterns and xanathar like how how far ahead or do you i mean yeah i was planned pretty far out initially and then i started to get to the point where um i started to like not prep at all i started to just like skim um it got like really exhausting for me to try to keep up with the story when the the party is never going to go where you want them to go. They're never going to do what's expected. And even after three years of running the same group every week, um, they, you guys always surprise me. Uh, so for instance, you know, you mentioned the castle Lanterns, which I think is hilarious because that was the initial enemy that I chose for water deep dragon heist, which is four main enemies to choose from. Mm-hmm. And um, you guys did not, the group did not bite on the story. Um, you didn't bite. You were like, nah, sounds like a bunch of cultists. I don't want to deal with that. Uh, so even as I tried to increase the heat, the party was increasingly ambivalent. And then you guys started to mess with um, Xanathar and his kind of group. And what are they? And so it was like, oh, I guess I should pivot. We're not in summer. We're actually in spring. Um so I'll just I'll just tweak everything uh, and start prepping, you know, and then 
you guys didn't really want to pursue that either. Uh, so ultimately, you guys got to the vault and both groups attacked you because I thought you were overleveled and I thought it would be really funny. Uh, so both groups attacked you one right after the other. And it was not even a challenging fight. Um, and it was like, oh, I need to work way less hard. I need to just scale back um when you guys started to get into the homebrew content though some of that stuff i'm prepping a week or two out but often to have a better idea of like where i want the story arc to go some of the stuff i've had prepped like specific encounters that didn't come up but i've saved for later some of the stuff i've had prepped for three years like literally three years i have had this map ready it has an npc it has a label i've got a setting description i can i can pull it up i was actually looking at i had this big overarching document for a while i was really organized um and it had like region descriptions um regions you guys might go to uh some encounter ideas some plot hooks for each player uh, or each character um like the main places that you guys might go and then i was linking out to my session over session notes so i could just flip through and like here are the bullets for the session click through to see you know the rest of my notes that were there um that worked really well when i had the brain space for it and then i didn't anymore um but yeah so some of sometimes i'm prepping the morning of sometimes i'm prepping a year and a half out uh and it is so unpredictable so we discussed what to write in pcs battle maps or encounter maps um that kind of thing what what would you recommend winging recommend or what do i because those are different (laughs) both (laughs) um winging uh anything that i have like on the inside of the dm screen you can wing any of that random encounter uh i just need to grab a token that looks close enough um you can typically wing that um based on your party's preferences you're gonna find that your group enjoys um a specific blend of social encounters, puzzles, and combat. And you should ask the party, and you should check in periodically. Uh, We do sometimes, but, like, people's preferences are going to change. And um, I find that, like, group, some groups are, like, I only want social encounters. Like, just, like, make it make it an entire social deal some people like that's boring i only want combat so it's kind of like you got to figure out the blend for your group um the other thing not not that i would recommend this but you did mention dungeon alchemist i i have on multiple occasions um the party has drawn something grabbed something that i did not think wasn't necessarily a plot hook decided to go in a direction that i wasn't expecting and i have made the map while running the session in Dungeon Alchemist. And I have also dug up maps from Patreons that I subscribe to uh, to because I just like sort of have this mental catalog because I look at, I have one uh, mm-hmm. map guffin in particular who I love his maps um, and I tend to draw on them a lot. And I have sort of a mental catalog of everything he has. He actually recently made a huge, beautiful mind spread Excel spreadsheet that's like, every map he's ever made and like what types of terrain and you can sort of sort through it and I have all of them downloaded grab it and then upload it in roll 20 I have on multiple occasions created the map or grabbed the map or customized a map and uploaded it while we were vamping like while the group was talking because that is exhilarating I like that and I know that's not for everyone living (laughs) on the edge you're giving me anxiety (laughs) just thinking about that I panic if I don't have a token like ah, oh you have this weird wild shape familiar okay i didn't plan for that like i can't 
I can't. You're gonna wild shape into what? Opens Photoshop. Um. Oh, what color? <laughs> Let me just get the slide. Yep. There we go. Nope. There it is. It's on the map. Yeah. I love that. I love that. But that's one of the things I really enjoy about mm-hmm. about jamming. Mm-hmm. Um. I wing. Um. NPC names. Um. Sometimes, uh, if they're not important, if they have a specific purpose, then I'll write them down in advance, like I was talking about. Um, voices and mannerisms. I overthink that so much um but typically just try to wing it i have like a an idea of some of the voices that i can do uh you know there's always some variation of a southern drawl that's very easy to draw on for me um and it doesn't even have to be that like i like to do little like uh scared to be like scared to still be alive voices um or like that's like the the hallmark of most of my npcs is like lovable and also will tell you what's wrong with the world at a drop the drop of a hat um, like little mannerisms and stuff. You practice um, like driving in the car voices. I know I'm yeah. always bad about that. Yeah, I'm trying I'm all sorts of voices. Anytime that uh, there's going to some one of these days, there's going to be this like huge security breach and someone's going to get all the recordings that uh, our friend the Goog has been taking of us. And it's going to be me singing in weird accents and strange voices and picking different and cycling through different like noises and like reading street signs like mm-hmm. west mm-hmm. west west mm-hmm. like what are like what other intonations can i do um yeah. and i will be embarrassed but i think we all will yeah i do i'm always practicing like voices in the car a lot of times my kids are in the back seat and they they're so used to it now they don't even like say anything they just like are on their tablets and they don't they're like oh yep mom's cracking <laughs> up again like, when you were practicing for the uh your icy uh dragon device fire peak i yes. almost called it by our colloquial term uh the dragon device fire key char- peak character you said that you had switched to your southern drawl that you were using yes. that character how yeah. long did you use that drawl before anyone said anything quite a while um i was like i think i was putting on like my makeup or getting ready for the morning and i went and got coffee and i just kept talking to the kids like that and they didn't they didn't even <laughs> respond michael fine my husband finally said something but um, but the kids, like I've been practicing an Irish accent for the next one. And I like for months, I've been practicing this and I'll use it in the car. I'll read the street signs or I'll, um, just like say things. And the kids are just, yeah, okay. Mom's weird. So <laughs> <laughs> maybe they think that's normal now. And that's yeah, great. Just nor- yeah. normalize talking to yourself in more voices. I think that's great. You're moving the next generation in the right direction. <laughs> So as far as winging it for me, yeah, uh, we discussed like I like to have a list of items uh, at the ready that if you if I notice the party is going one direction to investigate or look or they end up, you know, heaven forbid, kill an NPC, like what mm-hmm. the NPC would have on them. Um, Ooh, I because, wing that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wing that. I wing that. I like to leave some room with when like they're traveling i don't like to fill and we've discussed this before i don't like to fill every single second or minute they're traveling like oh there's someone with a wagon coming to you or oh you see deer oh um you know there's a monster or there's a tree like i don't like to give them all these random encounters while they're traveling i like to leave that open for them to either rp or maybe someone wants to go hunting and then, oh, now there's a deer or whatever. I kind of like to leave travel sections kind of more open. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I, I, I like that for just kind of not necessarily downtime, but I feel that that's a great time for them to either bond as characters or practice something or just spend some time attuning, that kind of thing. I like to leave travel chunks of the half a day. I like to leave that open as much as possible. I trying to think what else I like to. It's you know, hard. Because... Maps? No, no. <laughs> I have so many, so many maps. I did read, they were talking about over prepping and what over prepping looks like. And I have found myself that with Strahd, if I look too far ahead, mm. I, which I have, I mean, I have a general sense of where you're going to go and what you're going to see and that kind of thing. But if I prep too far ahead, then I forget what's currently happening. Like, I feel like I'm not in the present as much with mm. the characters that you're going to see now instead of like a month or two from now. And I think that's kind of a, st- you know, slippery slope for over prepping is you go too far yeah. in advance, then you're not letting kind of the story grow organically. And I ran into that because it's like, I, we're not going to reach that for months. Why am I worried about that right now? So I try, if there's some specific connection, I'll maybe like kind of bring it up a little bit. Um, but I, I, I'm really trying to be like in the moment, maybe like one session ahead and then call that good. Because then I, I feel like I'm just better prepared for what's currently happening than what's down the road too far ahead as over prepping that's interesting because i find that i get too detailed when i'm over prepping we were talking about this um before we started recording uh when the party went to the way in which i said mm-hmm. should be i decided it should be a um bustling trading post when you all arrived i wanted there to be this like well, I had a map guffin map that I wanted to put out. And I was like, wouldn't it be so fun if there was like a vendor fair? Um, and I <laughs> I was just looking at my notes. Uh, it says, read me. Um, there's a description of the area. Uh, a little bit of scripted dialogue, like state your name and business. Oh, we're trying to keep troublemakers out. Right then, keep your weapon sheathed and check your magic at the gate. Like that's as far as I scripted the dialogue so that they could kind of, the guards could like interact with you a little bit more. And then I, I drafted out, how long is this document? 10 pages of content for this one session. 19 vendor carts in various stages of setup around the courtyard. Food. And then four vendors, five vendors, consumable supplies, other goods, including pets and flowers and rocks, um, weapons. There was a fortune teller there who was reading tarot cards. Each person had a name and they had a little, a very like two second, two sentence description. Um, They had, I listed their inventory. Most of it was linked. It's not even like that's taking up what's space in the document. It's like. I did script out the uh, tarot reading because I, I was thinking about Strahd actually. And I was like, Oh, it would be really interesting to do a tarot reading for this character mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. have him like gain a magic item out of the encounter. There's supposed to be a performance. We didn't even get to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was supposed to be a circus performance. And that was supposed to be where the party was going to meet some of the crossover characters from the other campaign. <laughs> Skipped it entirely. Um, but I remember I that- shop. I remember this. I remember. Yeah. And I, I remember all the, vendors having personalities and descriptions and i mean i it made an impact on me i remember okay um, i'm glad to hear that yeah, yeah a couple of vendors you guys didn't interact with obviously there were 19 that's too many that's yeah. too, way too much um and there were a couple of storylines that didn't get pulled like plot plot hooks oh what a clever plot hook i'll throw this in there and 
the party either didn't pick up on it or picked up on something adjacent mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. and that was how tutu ended up with a scorpion, scorpion. as a pet yeah. um that like killed a man right before you guys adopted him um <laughs> you guys got a uh a new this is from 11 8 2020 that's so funny i can't believe it's been so long you guys got a you met a new npc who um gave you a new like quest because uh, he's missing his he couldn't find his brother-in-law um and that does have some scripted dialogue but it, this is just like when i look back at these notes i have all this stuff prepped and i can see that it spanned at least three or four sessions um now i'm just was i was just comically over prepared it was really an, an, an unnecessary amount of work uh when i could have just had you know a couple of key important vendors mm-hmm. i could have had a number of stalls uh and then i could have been hitting random on the generator for mm-hmm. what you guys actually wanted instead of mm-hmm. like oh what about this fanciful like great if i start trying to try to write a book with this stuff awesome it's already there <laughs> but like for the purposes of our game this was me over prepared and i feel that winging it in that kind of situation uh any sort of like shopping situation maybe you can have a couple of vend- like quirky fun vendors that just throw it in there but like someone really wants pastries or somebody really wants you know a new hood or whatever like it's you you cannot prepare in any foreseeable way what your party wants to buy or shop or look for and so i think in that yeah in that instance like have a couple fun ones or if like there's a specific connection to a quest yeah. on or one of the players like, oh, that's their aunt, you know, like maybe have that. But there's yeah, there's some things you just cannot prepare for and you just have to learn to live with it as a GM and enjoy the surprises. Enjoy the surprises they throw at you. That's that's for sure. That's where that I think we call it. I mean, improv is probably not even the correct term, but like that's where that improv comes in. Right. That yeah. like. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's what you want. Yes, and X Y Z, and just as powerful. No, but you can. Um, and I have a very hard time saying no in my day to day life, and a really hard time saying no in the game. And the only reason that hasn't uh bit me too hard with some of the magic items I've given you guys, um, because I was using the sane magic items pricing document, which I totally recommend. Don't have to think about it. Just look it up and then like add some to it. If they're not friends with a vendor or if they're hostile with a vendor, uh, the thing that will buy you is then they have access to like everything. That's like every magic item, most magic items ever. Well, that's too much. So you need to dial it back. And what does that look like? So that's kind of a little bit of a balancing act. The, the nice thing though is, um, and no, no offense, Sarah, but, uh, the players will forget they have that magic item. They're going to forget it. They're going to forget it immediately. They're never going to use it. They're going to attune to it. It's going to take up a slot. And then the next time they get something new, they have to attune to, they're going to go, Oh yeah, I forgot I had that. Um, yes. Yes, which has saved me. There were a few times, there were a few times where I was like, Ooh, somebody's got a magic item that could negate this entire. Oh, they forgot. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we're moving on. Moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe in the description of this video, we will put some links of these resources we discussed. Ooh, yeah. There are a lot of creators who are doing amazing work in uh, lightening your load as far as uh, DM prep goes. This is a topic that I think we could talk about clearly for a very long time. Um, And it is different for everybody. I would love to hear what other folks are doing. What's your average prep time per session? 
uh, how many hours per one hour of gameplay or the other way around. And um, are there any, what are you writing and what are you winging? Like, tell us, tell us, we want to know. Um, and it would be really fun to hear some other thoughts. Well, we're out of initiative, but we're going to get back into it. So go out there, roll some dice, tell some stories, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to Out of Initiative, a podcast from Merely NPCs. For more from Sarah and Morgan, follow them on TikTok at Merely NPCs or visit them online at MerelyNPCs.com.